Thank you for checking out the Detroit Church Podcast. We're a growing community in the heart of the city, and we exist to awaken Detroit to the greatest adventure of all time. Although the pandemic causes us to adjust our methods, our message stays the same. God, through Jesus, is making all things new. John chapter 15 uh, and this particular passage uh, is actually we're gonna read the seventh and the final I am saying that Jesus makes in the book of John all right now he's had a bunch of good ones so far like I am the light right I'm the light of the world I am the gate I am the true bread of heaven but today we get to hear or read rather the seventh and the final I am statement that Jesus makes. And this is the wind down to Jesus's uh, sacrifice on the cross. This, uh, as Pastor Sonny has already shared, is this kind of uh, brain dump or heart dump, if you will, this final discourse that he's having. And we kind of get to peek behind the curtain in a sense as Jesus is talking with his disciples and he's preparing them for a big change that's about to happen which is they are not going to have access to him like they do right now in a little bit somebody say a little bit in a little bit it's going to get different in a little bit things are not going to be the way we thought they were. There are these big changes, these big things that happen that we aren't ready for. And Jesus knows that one really big one is about to take place. And this is him getting his disciples ready for it. All right, we're gonna check it out in John chapter 15 and verse one. So click in your Bibles, swipe in your Bibles, scroll in your Bible. So, John chapter 15, verse 1, Bible says this. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Somebody say much fruit. Mm. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And that branch, or the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, there are a lot of things that's happening in this particular verse. Now, I meant to ask for water before I got up here. I didn't get one. Can I have one of those, please? I'm sorry. So, there are a couple of things that we see happening. The first is, Jesus is inviting his people 
the disciples specifically, he's inviting them into a different type of relationship than we're used to seeing in the rabbinical structure, right? Do you realize in most like rabbi, teacher, disciple situations, the disciple, hey, praise God, thank you. But brother Herb, in most of these situations, the disciple would actually reach out and grab the teacher. In this particular situation, it changes. The teacher reaches out, grabs the disciples, tells them to follow him, and the teacher defines their specific relationship. We think about our relationship with Jesus or even deity at this point as one based off rules, as one based off of requirements, especially if we go Old Testament, right? There are these laws that we have to follow. But when Jesus flips all of this and say, hey, guess what? Our relationship is really like this. It's like I'm the vine and you're the branches. What is he saying? This is going to be fun. He's saying, I am calling you into a deeply intimate, everyday, organic growth relationship. I'm calling you in the kind of relationship where the only way you're going to experience growth and change is if you're in me and I'm in you every day. Oh, man. One day a week is not a vine branch relationship. This is going to be, this is going to be fun. <laughs> the God of the universe is not content with your two hours a week. He actually desires to be every day in us and us in him he desires to be known of us and for us to know him man i wish somebody would have explained this to some of us when we were saying the prayer because the problem is some of us were coming to god or coming to faith thinking that there are a couple of things in our life we would like to work on there's a couple of, of, of issues and there's a couple of sins. There's, there's a couple of things in our story of origin that we would like God to address. And what happens when you come to God thinking he is going to kind of work on your life, work on some of the special areas, and he starts knocking walls down that you actually liked? What happens when, when the vine dresser starts cutting on the things you actually enjoy? <laughs> what happens when God decides, I don't know, he's God and he just does whatever he wants in your life? For most of us, that is where we start to go, hey, hey, hold on now. Christianity is supposed to be working on the things I wanted to work on getting better on the things I was planning on getting better at. And Jesus is going, hey, that's fine if my role, my job was just to make you better. But the truth is, a better you is not what God is after. If he just wanted a better you, maybe two hours a week would work. <coughs> Come on, let's be honest. I can hang out with Lynn's for a couple hours a week and be better. She's great. Miles, too. I'm like, you know, I'm showing you love. I don't feel like that, man. It's love. It's love. It's love. <laughs> like, there is this way in this part of us that 
it's fine in relationships where we feel enhanced and we feel charged and we feel better. But our relationship with Jesus is not a relationship that's aimed at making us better. It's actually a relationship that's filled with the knife, the pruning of the Lord. Now, here's the thing about pruning of the Lord. And, and I got I to gotta do this quick. But the idea of good branches that are alive and dead branches that are still connected. The difference is this. Dead branches are not requiring life from their connection to the vine. They're still connected to it, but the difference is they aren't drawing on the life that they have access to. Which means it's totally possible to be here, be a believer, claim to follow, claim to be a person of faith, and yet live a life absent of his life and his fruit. It is totally possible to believe God and yet live in a state of hopelessness because you have not allowed his life-giving power to produce for you, in you, something new, something great, something powerful. Now, the truth is, if this were, again, an easy thing, because uh, when Jesus actually says this, he's using this language intentionally so they understand that he actually is not this uh, just a master or just a teacher. He is actually making this claim of intimacy with them. And it's incredible. It's something that if we're not careful, we'll miss and we will make church a very unintimate thing. Sometimes my fear is that with the pandemic and, and with all these, thing, all these things going along, we will create an unintimate experience with church because we'll make church the things that we like the most and we'll avoid the things that we dislike. And the problem with that is it doesn't jive with God, what God has actually said. Make sense? So when Jesus actually says, uh, I am the vine, you are the branches. What he is actually explaining to them is that Jesus is actually more about organic transformation through an internal change than he is about mechanical compliance. All right? He's more about organic transformation through an internal change than he is about just mechanical compliance. In other words, it's not enough to just do the right thing. And this sometimes happens. People come to church. What are the rules? What do we do? The church I grew up in, when you would join and ask, hey, what do we do? They would tell you, all right, well, you need to come to Bible study on Tuesday. You need to come to prayer on Thursday. You're young. What's your age group? You're male or female? They had literally a group for everything. They had a sewing circle class that, to my knowledge, did not sew one thing. Still don't really understand that. But my point is, there was all of these things that they had for people to do. And the problem is, they give people the illusion that if you do this, you now are in right standing. You now are on the path and in a, a relationship with God. And in a sense, what they're doing is they're trying to be their own vine. This is an Old Testament thing. The people of God were actually at one time considered the vine. 
At one time, they were actually the ones that were referred to as the vine of God. Matter of fact, uh, in Isaiah, it gets bad because they go from what, what's called a choice vine because of their sin to a wild vine. So when Jesus says, hey, I am the vine, in other words, he's saying it's not converting to Judaism that will save you. It's not getting circumcised physically that will save you. It is only your intimate relationship with Jesus that actually changes you from the inside out. Now, I think this is beautiful because let's be honest, if he would have said something else, maybe it wouldn't apply to us. <laughs> if he would have made it, hey, everybody has to be Jews. Well, maybe not all of us would have been in. He actually prepares his disciples for his uh, uh, absence, in a sense, while inviting them in to intimately know him in the next season. Where he won't be physically present. And he actually tells them, hey, when I'm not around, we can still be intimate. Why? Because you can still spend time with me through my word. Through my commandments. You can actually still be one with me through your obedience to my word. It's amazing to me that when I talk to people and, I, and, and, and they say stuff like, well, you know, I just, I'm not feeling it right now. I just, I just feel like God is just too far. I tried the, the prayer thing and right now it just seems like a one-sided call. I just feel like God isn't like listening to me. Like he's not like present with me. And when, and, and as a pastor, we got follow-up questions, of course. And when we start to ask, well, what about spending time with him every day? What about quiet time with him? What about devotion time? What about journaling? You know, the basic stuff, not deep, not the stuff where you got to do it like somebody else. You get to do it in your own way. Some of us, I've seen some prayer journals look like doodle things, all the colors and squiggly lines and stuff. It's great. But when we ask them about it, you know what they say? Well, I mean, honestly, it's too, you know, I don't, I don't have a set time. I just kind of just talk to them whenever. I don't really have a prescribed, like, time. Like, I don't, I don't like the, you know, set structure like that, you know. I just talk to them whenever. And the problem with that is that is not a vine branch relationship. Like, I think we think it's, it's, it's maybe less spiritual to be more disciplined about our intimate time with Jesus. Because for us, it don't feel quite as exciting to say every morning at six is me and Jesus' time. So we do the thing, right, where you give yourself some space, you give yourself some grace and go, you know, I'm, I got a range from six to eight anytime in there. Oh, it, ain't, I ain't, I, it wasn't just me. Come on now. Anytime between six and eight, that is my holy time. <laughs> sometimes it's at 605, sometimes 755, but it, in there somewhere, me and the Lord, is we're going to get it in. And then... Six to nine. <laughs> Six to noon. Isn't it? And here's the thing. The pro <laughs> not everybody's going to, I know you're at church still, right? So you won't admit it. But the wider the range gets, the less you spend time with them. Anybody notice that? 
Anybody notice that with the more freedom you give your relationship, somehow the less you do it. Isn't that odd? Isn't that strange when we know we should be with him? We know it's, it's where we long to be. You have those moments where, when the second you sit down and you do it and you spend time with him, like it, it, it's like all of a sudden the planet seems to spin just better. It's like it feels right. You feel more comfortable, more confident, more loved, more accepted. Yet we can't get back there consistently enough. Organic transformation is so much better than mechanical compliance, which whether you know or not, if you've gone to church without a relationship with God, you have already been taught how to do. I don't know if you know it or not, but our culture teaches us to be religious. There's people, <laughs> I don't mean this in a bad way, but there's people who do not care about what God has to say about anything in their life that say grace before they eat. Because <laughs> we're taught to do it. Whether you love Jesus, whether you follow him, whether you give your life for him, no, we're taught to do it, right? It's this thing, you say grace. Even in households that don't acknowledge it, it's like, hey, you say grace. I've actually literally heard people just say, grace. <laughs> and I'm like, was, was, all right, bad example. My point is, there, if we're not careful, we could fall into the idea of compliance and miss what we're invited into by Jesus, which is a deep, everyday kind of relationship. The vine branches is an everyday Drawing from the life of the, the vine. Drawing from the stem. All right? All right, let's keep going. When Jesus invites us into this uh vine branch relationship he actually gives us the opportunity to both be known by him or by us and for us to know him he invites us in to a mutual relationship this is incredible not just do what i say blindly but he invites us to know who he is and why he even does some of what he does when our Lord says, abide in me, he is talking about our will, the matter, or I'm sorry, our will, which is a matter of our choice. The decisions we make, including how we live our lives, including what we prioritize, and including how we experience and enjoy pleasure. I think it's important for us to give uh, tips and tricks. And every once in a while, we come upon what I think is a headline moment. And maybe you haven't heard it. I'm pretty excited to tell you. I don't know if you know it or not, but the secret to the Christian life. You ready for it? 
I thought this is, I was studying this. I couldn't wait to say it to the camera. I'm going to look square into it. It's going to be great. The secret to the Christian life is this. The life of Christ in the Christian. This is like great, right? The secret to the Christian life is what? Being so connected to Jesus that his life flows through you. <laughs> you know how hard it is to live saved if you're only doing it in your physical strength? It'll never happen. Your, your holiest day is the day you just didn't tell anybody what you was thinking. That's the best you can hope for if you're doing this in your own strength. Jesus actually invites us to abide in him in a way where just like the branch, we draw life from the stem, from the root. And as we draw life from the root, his life comes out of us. <laughs> the point of this is not for you to be better. It's for you to be lesser. In your life right now, you do not need to do a better job. You need to be lesser. You, it needs to be so much less you and so much more of Jesus in your marriage, on your job. Hey, watch this. Even in your church, even in your life group, even in your D groups coming soon. Like, it can't just be this thing that we try in and of ourselves. Make sense? We are invited into a deep relationship with Jesus where we are not just uh, abiding or focusing on stuff that he says. We're actually living his truths and the fruit of his life becomes that of our own. I think it's important for us to be clear about what our objectives are. Like coming to church is great, even in the park. People all on the rugs and all that stuff. Some people know rugs. It's great. That's that's new. But the point is, we all are having a really great time. And this this is this is good. The music was good. This has been great. It probably was a little better before I started talking. But the point is, we we're all having a great time. But all of this has an objective. And it's the same objective that God has, which is what? Fruit. <laughs> you know what determines if this was good or not? Fruit. <laughs> you know what determines how great this was? Fruit. <laughs> you leave here, you, with God, produce fruit in your life. It was a great time. You leave here. Don't talk to God. Remain a dead branch. It wasn't that great. <laughs> like, let's be clear about what our objectives and what we're after here. And that is fruit. Yeah. Now, I think it's another thing that's important to mention is when we see this relationship, uh, it's not a quick one. <laughs> it's not an overnight thing. This is the God of heaven committing himself to an ongoing relationship with you. Now, for some of us, we, and, and this, this happens in church, where it's like if you struggle with something more than five, six years or whatever the normal time is, then people start to go, I don't know. 
I don't know if God is there. I don't know if that person wants to be free. We start judging. But the truth is, that is not God's disposition. God is committed to us. And even if you have been struggling with something for 20 years, God does not give up and walk away. He says, remain in me and I'm going to remain with you. I don't care how long it's been and how hard it's been. I'm not giving up. I'm going to stay right there with you, right there in the fight. As long as you're there, I'm right there with you. Even when you decide you want to give up, I am still there. I don't even know if we use the language that God uses when we talk about some of this stuff. Because we make pronouncements based on how quick and how fast and, and where we think things should go and how they should progress. And we forget that God is a God of process, that it's not just some quick end that he's trying to get to. He's about cutting and pruning and, and making sure that we have to draw on the life of the stem. And for some of us, the truth is a 20-year bout with something that causes us to keep drawing life from the stem is actually better than an overnight fix where we leave and never turn and draw it again. I think we try to make God in our image. And we forget that this life isn't about us making anyone in our image, but our entire journey is really the vine dresser making us into the image of his son. And no matter where you are, no matter who you are, no matter if, if you were like trying to meet and have church four months ago, or if you're watching this right now thinking, I don't know if I'm going back, no matter where you are, that can't be the biggest part of it. That can't be the most important part. The most important part is, are you willing to be so close, so intimate with him that you literally start to manifest his life? That has to be what this is about. It can't be just, oh, let's sing songs and let's have church and, and let's see how cool our sunglasses are when we're outside. Like, there's so many other selfish things that we, if we're not careful, could slip into. We now more than ever need to have a very clear point of access with the God of the Bible. Like, this cannot be uh, something that we can only get from Pastor Sonny or Detroit Church. I look, I, I'll say it, say it to them, say it to y'all. Detroit Church makes a crappy vine. We ain't trying to be nobody's vine. Pastor Sonny is not your vine. All right, trying to draw all your life, your spiritual energy for your fruit from him. Ain't going to do nothing but frustrate him, take all this time and put him in a spot with Sharita. You don't want to do that. <laughs> and if you think Sharita's bad, have you met Cam? My point is, like, like, we cannot be each other's vines. And God does not require us to. Now, some of us, when, when he's not our vine, we take more than we should on ourselves. And we, try, we start trying to be for other people. We slip into trying to be a little more than we should. But that's not what God requires of us. 
this is a spot that he reserves for himself. So my question is, how much time do you spend connected to your vine? Right now, what is the structured, not just the, uh, you know, if I got an extra 20 minutes, if, if the kids nap a little longer today. I don't know about y'all kids, but David's naps in 20 minute intervals. I can't plan on that. We're still trying to train them. I haven't gotten it. But what is your scheduled structured time with Jesus? Do you have one? Are you winging it? Is it the six to eight range? <laughs> now, this isn't condemnation. This isn't shame. This isn't you had it, you lost it, wagging the proverbial fingers. No, 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 no. This isn't that. Because, again, Jesus can't wait to be with you. This is love. This is not attacking. This is not him waiting to whack you over the head. No, no. This is the lover of your soul. Understanding that whether you know it or not, prayer is to your soul what air is to your lungs. You know when it's hard to have a culture of prayer as a church? When we don't see the need to have a culture of prayer as individuals. You know, the hardest times and the driest times it is to have corporate prayer is when there's branches that aren't drawing life from the vine. The worst prayer meetings are the prayer meetings where you're just like, like chopping wood. It feels like, like you can hear the twigs hitting the ground because they're dry. There's no life. We're not drawing life from the stem. It's just whatever we got in the tank, whatever we heard that one time, whatever we said the last time when we did have a good prayer life. Oops. What we're after, family, is not a look like we're some great hot church. We are obsessed with what God is obsessed with. When he says, you will ask whatever you want in my name and it'll happen. What does he say? He's saying, you're going to be so connected to me that you are actually going to start asking what I want. <laughs> you know how to get answered prayer? Ask the prayers that he wants to answer. <laughs> There's no secret to it. You start praying his will. Guess what? He does it. It's very simple. This is what we are invited into, family. Right. I'm out of time. I can't even get to the rest of that. Listen, <laughs> the, <laughs> it's a whole long thing. The point that we're making and the point in the, in the ultimate end, even of the passage, it, it, that Jesus is not content to know you distantly or to know you through space or through your dependence on anything else but him. Which means we have to find ourselves responding to the great lover that we have often avoided. We have to find ourselves responding to the great lover that we have often pushed aside. The great pursuer of our hearts that for some reason we've chosen to follow other things. 
to go after other things. And oftentimes what's required is we have to humble ourselves. I'm closing, Herb. You can, you can bring the band up. I get two more times to say it, but if the band's playing, it's okay. One of my favorite stories that I love in Psalm or, or, or Luke 15 is the prodigal son. And it's a great story because, uh, well, actually, the whole chapter is pretty good. You know, lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. Can you see what, see what the Bible did there? It's pretty cool. He spends all of his inheritance on riotous living. And, and at some point, uh, he is actually feeding the pigs and he has this epiphany. He actually says, hey, you know, the, the servants in my father's house are living better than I'm living right now. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go home and say, hey, dad, I'm not worthy to be a son. Just let me be a servant. Don't have to treat me like a son. You don't have to feed me like a son. You can just feed me and treat me like a servant. And then this guy decides, my father might go for that. Let me go home. And the next few lines or next few words actually say this. And the father saw the son afar off, felt compassion, and he broke running towards him. My translation. And once he got there, put a ring on his finger, a robe around his back, told him, hey, that fat calf, kill that thing. Are we having ham hocks tonight? I imagine this is what it was. The part that makes this crazy to me is the great speech about not being the son. This great moment of humility about, hey, I'll just live as a servant. Guess what? The father never heard it. Because <laughs> the father didn't need it. That wasn't for the father. It was for the son. It's what the son needed to do to humble himself. But the truth is the son can't affect his sonship because it didn't come from him. It comes from the father. So while we in our brokenness, while we sometimes need to understand different things to be humble, the truth is God is not like us. So no matter how many times you have pushed away the lover of your soul, he doesn't hold that against you. He doesn't hold how many times you said you were going to get up and fall asleep. Like God doesn't keep track of all of that. He doesn't hold aside all of the things you promised and that you never did. That is not God. That's us. What would we be like if we were able to respond to God unashamed to just acknowledge the beauty of the invitation to have a deep and intimate uh, engrafted relationship with the God of the universe this is what we've been called into family this is why Jesus being the true or authentic or real vine is such an important thing because he is actually the only true source of life. He is the only thing that will actually satisfy our souls, that will actually bring real joy into our lives. If we're joyless, if we're prayerless, it means we have ignored our lover and our friend. 
if for you this has been a time where you for whatever reason just can't feel joy and sometimes I don't know about y'all but sometimes when you can't feel joy you start settling for satisfaction you start settling for pleasure when you can't feel joy we start compromising start settling for selfish things that won't actually satisfy us because we were built for joy we were made for joy that his joy would be in us and would be complete that's how we were designed y'all so if you hear or you're listening and and you haven't for whatever reason been able to feel that joy been able to to experience the love that is available if you know you're you're, you're the dead branch i believe in jesus i i i, I I've, I've said the prayer i've gone to church I've, I've read the books but for whatever reason right now i'm i'm I, i'm I, I, i'm dry i'm not drawing life from the stem The truth is his relationship is here and available for you right now right here right now whether you're watching whether you're here whether you're listening whether this is echoing past your room right now his spirit is here and all we have to do is repent and respond to him so if you're a believer and you just want to take a moment you can do it right now if you want to come up you can come up that's fine sometimes it takes a little action just to kind of you know rouse out that's fine we have some people ready to pray Pastor Sonny's on deck there's some other people if you want to talk and you want prayer and agreeing with you we can do that that's no problem but the point really is for right now to be a moment with God where you are responding to the lover of your soul last thing i'm gonna say and i'm gonna stop talking i promise while uh, being cut on feels uncomfortable the knife of god so to speak isn't like oh great yes oh he's cutting me oh this is so great what you should know though is that jesus was cut down so that we could be cut back <laughs> Jesus actually experienced being cut off so that we would get to know what it's like to just be cut on and cut away and pruned so that his life will be present in ours no matter how bad it is for you this is the life that we are offered and it's his precious life here now we simply have to just access it. Make sense?